traveling the world searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Welcome, equestrians. This is Scott Miller, founder of the International Equine Network. Uh, glad that you could be with us today here at 1 o'clock every Thursday on BBS Radio and uh, various other uh, stations that you can get us on. Um, just go to uh, bbsradio.com, and uh, they'll, they'll show you how to get to them, no matter what kind of uh, um, link you might have, whether it's a phone, a computer, or, you know, or what have you, and everything. Um, we're going to start off today's show. Um, we have now live on IENTV.org with the Keeneland uh, uh, sales that are on. Uh, they're on hit number 988, and uh, it's sold for $22,000. And um, that that was a good price for that horse. Uh, I had it at eighteen thousand, but uh, they got into a little bit of a bidding contest, and she ended up going for twenty two thousand dollars, which was really good for the owners of the farm. And also, um, that's live and exciting. Uh, it'll be all afternoon. Uh, you can go and you can watch it and see what's going on. Um, if you'd like to call into the show, it's three two three seven four 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 eight three one. Um, that's our call-in number. And so we're going to kick things off here um, with our flying turn segment. Um, it'll be short but brief because uh, the sales uh, that they have, it's the Winter Racehorse uh, Marketplace. It's Monday, January 17th, uh, 2022 at 1 p.m. at the Meadowlands Race Paddock in uh, New Jersey. Um, they have 100 horses uh, on tap to go through the auction ring. And um, they have some very, very nice uh, horses that will be available uh, there uh, this year. And a lot of good winners come out of this, these uh, sales. Um, you know, it's just amazing uh, how, how they uh, uh, come out of there. You can buy a horse that's ready to race. Uh, you can buy a horse that's ready for breeding. A lot of these horses are four-year-olds. Uh, you know, some are six-year-olds, uh, three-year-olds, uh, just kind of a mixed bag of horses there. And um, what I like is there, there's this one mare that, that should go um, pretty decent. Um, she, uh, her name's Firefly. Um, she's a nice horse. So she was bred to Sweet Lou in Pennsylvania, 5'5 five, five of 21. Uh, this is a nice horse. Um, she's out of a dam that uh, earned uh, $8,150 uh, by Better's Delight and uh, was really a, a good, good, good horse, uh, you know, in there. And then um, we have uh, uh, Firefly, uh, has a stakes-winning five-year-old mare, uh, some beach somewhere, uh, really nice horse. Uh, she's just really uh, going somewhere uh, with this horse. She might be down on the beach um, and help you get there for your retirement, and you go down on the beach and talk about her uh, racing career. But um, that's the uh, Tattersall Sales, the 2022 um uh, winter mix sales in East Rutherford, New Jersey at the Meadowlands. Um, it's January 17th um, at 1 p.m. And uh, tune in and you can see the uh, sales live on International Equine Network uh, on the 17th. Uh, now we're going to get into um, uh, some things that um, it's going to be kind of interesting for us here. Um, the The horse industry has always had a misnomer and notorious for being uh, 
not on the up and up. Uh, it's just a, a nature of, of what happens. And no matter whether it's uh, football or uh, whether it's uh, basketball, baseball, uh, car racing, um, when there's money and gambling involved, um, there's always somebody trying to um, get ahead of the game. And also those are the kind of things that, uh, you know, we're looking at here now. And thank goodness that um, our organizations and associations and racetracks and, and states um, have come together to uh, really monitor and um, really watch things closely so the betting public and the consumer can uh, uh, get a fair shake. Um, we don't want anything to happen to that. And then um, the California Horse Racing um, Administrate uh, put place um, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Blee um, on uh, uh, administrative lead. Um, California Horse Racing Board first year equine medical director Dr. Jeff Blee has been placed on administrative lead pending a further review of his veterinarian license, according to a report from the Los Angeles Times. Um, the move follows Blee having his license suspended January 3rd at the, rest, at the request of the California Veterinarian Medical Board after a December 24th emergency hearing. A formal hearing with uh, um, the, the doctor is planned January 21st. Um, early last week, the California uh, Horse Racing Board uh, said Blee would continue his equine medical director behavior. Uh, believing California regulations did not require a veterinarian license to, uh, for the role. He said, but the board was informed January 11th that it's inter-preparation inter, uh, inter of those procedures uh, was not entirely accurate according to the Times. Asked to confirm the Times report, Scott Cheney, uh, executive director, uh, declined comment on the, to the blood horse but continued to express his support for Malik. Lee has been accused of eight violations, uh, charges. Uh, his supporters believe that the lack of merit necessary to suspend his license. Um, the alleged violations, some of which claim Lee and another vet and other veterinarians, um, uh, prescribe and administered medications to horses without an examination or medical, uh, necessity occurred when, uh, uh he was an equine veterinarian in private practice in Southern California, uh, back stretches. He took his position with the board last summer. Two other veterinarians uh, charged in the anonymous complaint, violating Lee, Vince Baker, and Sarah, Sarah Graybill Jones, um, have not had an emergency license hearing and retained their license pending a formal hearing. The complaint against Jeff Lee is nonsense, Lee's um, predecessors, Dr. Uh, Rick Arthur, told Blood Horse. The Times uh, reported Arthur, Arthur sent a uh, letter to Lourdes Castro Ramirez, uh, Secretary of the Business Consumer Service and Housing Agency, which oversees the California Racing Board, and, D, uh, and Dr. calling accusation against Lee of political hit job. The, in the interim, the suspension ordered last week Administrative law judge uh, Nana Chen wrote that the doctor was concerned uh, con was concerned Lee could affect ongoing inquiries by the California Racing Board into uh, sudden racehorse deaths. Uh, the Times previously reported 
that um, the undeniable inquiry of the concern involves Kentucky Derby presented by Winter uh, Woodford Reserve, um, first place finisher Medina Spirit. Uh, Bob Baffert trainee who collapsed and died uh, following a workout at Santa Anita last month. Testing and a necropsy are underway in the customary procedure for horses that die at a facility overseen by the California Racing Board. Lee uh, initially was, was had played a role in overseeing those findings. However, the California Racing Board announced last week following Blee's interim suspension that John Pascoe, Executive Associate Dean of the University of California Davis School of Veterinary Medicine, had been asked to, to do so. According to the Times, Blee formally was placed on administrative leave by the UC Davis, from whom he formally works um, before he loaned, uh, he landed the California uh, Horseman. Uh, Horse Board Association uh, position. Uh, the next California board meeting, January 20, is one day before Blee's upcoming license hearing. The board typically reserves discussion and personal and legal matters to its closed sessions that follows its regular session made available to the public and media. So what they've done is they find themselves in a quandary uh, about the rules and regulations and how they're supposed to be and, and things because uh, for a long time, this has not been something that, um, you know, that the uh, uh, racing boards in the states have, you know, dealt with on a regular basis. One of, it, one of the reasons why they haven't done that is because the um, uh, lax, um, uh, how should I say it, uh, uh, about rules and regulations uh, just kind of being uh, taken for granted and overlooked. And so now... Um, more people are coming forward and we're finding out exactly, you know, what's going on uh, with um, any and everything and anybody that's involved in the racing. And, um, and especially like with Medina Spirit that run, run the Kentucky Derby. Um, uh, they're, they're back looking at him, seeing what all happened with him, where he went. And, and, and in this investigation, it, it appears that uh, doping of the horse uh, with illegal medications, uh, was an ongoing thing for Medina Spirit uh, throughout his racing career. Now, I can't say definitely for sure that that's what happened, but that's what it appears to be because the horse dropped over with a heart attack. At times when um, horses at a young age, two- and three-year-olds, are administered uh, different medications as they grow and get older, and they tend to uh, get an enlarged heart. And, uh, and so that leads to a lot of heart attacks and, uh, you know, a lot of difficulties for those kind of horses and everything. But like I said, not saying for sure that that's what happened, but that's where this investigation is going. They're backtracking on all the horses that this uh, veterinarian, uh, Dr. Blee, had, um, had treated. And uh, what they're doing is backtracking to see if there's any um, common threads, if there's anything that they can find out about it. And so that, that's good on California board's uh, part. Uh, they're really going to the wall to make sure that everything is kept on the up and up and everything's honest. And hopefully it can prevent future uh, trainers from uh, taking procedures that are not quite, um, you know, good for the business or, you know, against the, the racing board's uh, uh, rules and regulations. And then um, now we're going to go from there. Now and have this, uh, that Dr. Blaze article, 
set it up for what you know what's going on here um, today. Uh, we have uh, the first trial set for defendants in the federal doping case. The, the trial for Seth Fishman and Lisa Gianelli will be held January 19th. Seems like all around the middle of the month or the end of the month, everybody's uh, going to court here. Um, the, header, the federal horse doping case against two defendants in Southern District of New York got a bit more real when the order was entered uh, set in January 19th as the first firm trial date. In order, uh, the order signed on January 7th by U.S. District Judge Mary Kay uh, Vesco uh, was entered in January 10th and says, in light of the, uh, of the adjournment of the trial in another case, the trial of the Group 1 defendants will begin January 19th, 2020. And there's quite a few people that are, that are going on trial here uh, coming up. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I think it's 20-plus um, people that have been indicted uh, so far. Uh, the Group 1 uh, defendants were identified in court records on November 1st, 2021, Seth Fishman and Lisa Gianelli. Their cases received what is described as the first backup slot uh, to commence uh, trial January 19th, and they were ordered to be ready now that they are, uh, are first in line. Fishman was indicted uh, early in 2020 on two counts of conspiracy to misbrand medications were um, designed for use on racehorses. Um, each, uh, each count carries a maximum penalty of five years incarceration and a $10,000 fine. Gianelli was charged with the same offense uh, in one of those counts. Um, John Fishman, who originally named uh, among Group 1 defendants, entered a guilty, uh, uh, entered a guilty plea uh, on October 6th to one count of drug misbranding and adulteration and is in his, in, scheduled for sentencing February 8th. The plea agreement calls for between 12 and 18 months incarceration and a fine. At the time of the incident, Assistant U.S. Attorney, uh, uh, US Attorney Andrew Adams said defendants focused on doping and the use of performance-enhancing drugs to win professional horse races in the thoroughbred and standardbred industry. Uh, a set of defendants called Group 2 in court, documents received the third backup slot to begin the trial on March 21, 2022, and Visca ordered um, those parties to be prepared. They were identified as Rick Dane Jr. and Rebecca Link. Uh, Link entered a into a deferred prosecution agreement during a December 2021 uh, uh, 20, uh, 20, virtual hearing before Visco, and the agreement requires that Link to be um, supervised for two years uh, by U.S. Uh, parental services officers and be subjected uh, subject to a number of restrictions during that time. At the end of the two years, and approved, she and she has complied. All charges for Link faces, and um, part of the federal indictment will be dropped. So uh, now, now it's telling you that uh, uh, some of these people are, are um, you know, coming forward and telling what they know and everything. And it's kind of interesting when they face a penalty and a fine or jail sentences, how fast they uh, said, "Okay, I'll tell you." you know, what I know and what I did. And, um, you know, they, they got caught 
and, and so now you know they're they're paying for it. Um, group three defendants have been identified as James Service, uh, Jason Service, Alexander Chan, Erica Garcia, and Michael Tenoso. It's not unlikely that those cases will be set for trial the first half of this year. As the status conference is set for uh, all these cases January 13th, which is today, the court will want to know whether Group 1 cases are likely to need a trial as opposed to the parties uh, or other of, and, and, and or other of them. Entering a plea agreement with the prosecution and defense teams are prepared to announce ready on date trial uh, and other preliminary matters uh, it would not be surprising if the court discusses plans for the Group 2 trial date, March 21st, to be a potential, potential trial date for Group 3. So, in other words, um, they're weighing out all their options with their attorneys and all the defendants are and seeing which is going to be the rest, best road for them to travel. Um, most of them will probably take a plea agreement, and uh, that can be uh, quite expensive. And um, uh, their their days in the horse business are virtually over. Um, you know they they were not allowed to be in or have anything to do or or uh, anything with uh, the horse industry. Uh, both standard breads or thoroughbreds, uh, you know that that type of thing. Um, status conference is uh, is set for all all these cases January thirteenth. The court. Um, will want to know whether the Group 1 cases are likely to need a trial as opposed to the parties or either of them. Entering a plea agreement, uh, whether the, prosecu the prosecution and defense teams are prepared to announce ready on date, date of trial and other preliminary matters. It would not be surprising if the court discusses plans for the Group 2 trial uh, March 21st and the potential trial of Group 3 defendants. So they're trying to ball them all up and get them all in the same period of time so that um, they can get out of the court system. But basically what's happened is we have a lot of people that uh, uh, are trying to take that shortcut to the winner's circle here um, in, in the horse business. And uh, it's always been, uh, you know, it's uh, a lot of things went, uh, you know, um, unspoken. Uh, a lot of people turned their backs to things that were going on. And a good majority of the people always were trying to get that extra uh, length or that extra second of speed, uh, you know, out of their horses. And, um, you know, we've seen everything in the business from uh, witch doctor practices to modern uh, medical uh, technology. And uh, it's kind of sad to say that um, some of the biggest people in the business have ended up doing that. And, uh, you know, they, and they came up with a few different ideas of what's going on, uh, you know, that, that type of thing. And, um, so, uh, you know, we, we kind of, uh, look to see what all is going on, uh, you know, in the business and it's gone from the top down to the bottom, uh, the people that get caught at the bottom, there's not much said about it. They just pay their fine and go about their way. But when it comes to people like Bob Baffert, um, he has now established a history of uh, disregarding rules and regulations and everything. Um, and it was kind of sad because uh, um, when presented with the, you know, the violations, uh, one thing kind of led to another. And, um, you know, uh, we don't know what exactly happened, 
um, we just know, you know, what the, the um, racing associations um, had found out, you know, was going on. And now, uh, unfortunately, um, Bob has been uh, derby points for not being uh, recognized of any of his horses that are on the trail, trail of the Kentucky Derby. Um, you know, and that's unfortunate because um, the, now this dates back to five, five, six years back. Um, you know, on uh, some of these violations and everything. They still don't have the Medina spirit uh, thing, uh, you know, figured out yet, money-wise, and, you know, who actually won that race. Uh, and also, um, that's still, uh, you know, involved in the courts. And I noticed one thing, um, just about in anything you do in business, so it doesn't matter whether it's uh, uh, horses or sports or, you know, business, uh, general business practices, what happens is when somebody gets caught, you're trying to buy time and figure things out. Now, Bob Baffert has filed a, a suit against Churchill Downs to recognize his points of what he's doing. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that comes out because usually if you're suspended in another state, you're not, there's reciprocity and you're not allowed to, you know, race in other states. But, um, like I said, it's all in the court now uh, and it's kind of a shame you know, to have that happen, you know, when you can't sit down and discuss what the charges filed against you are and, you know, explain your side of the story, you know, and work something out that's amicable for everybody involved and everything. But uh, the long and short of it is, is we're trying to protect the public, you know, that type of thing. And um, it's not so much um, about um, Bob, uh, getting fined for these violations. He's focused on being able to run in the Kentucky Derby because he can't, uh, it's hard to succeed in the business uh, whenever you um, are a trainer and something goes wrong or something happens and you go to your owner and say, I'm sorry, you know, we can't, we got a great horse here, a potential Derby runner. And, um, you know, we, we can't run him because of, of a mistake that I made. You know, and and you lose you lose owners that way. And the bad part about it is, is I feel sorry for the owners that he has now, that are in the situation that own the horses that are getting those derby points. You know, and to what happens after a court hearing, because literally after a court hearing, you know, um, you you can be totally uh, you know exonerated, or you know you could have sanctions put against you and fines put against you. And again, sanctions were put against uh, Bob Baffert for his, uh, for his derby points, and now he's going to go to court and fight that. And that's the last thing we need in the business is people to be fighting, uh, you know, these rules and regulations. Because in one hand, you know, it's bad to the public eye because uh, most of the people see uh, the articles in the papers. It says, you know, Bob Baffert charged with doping horses, you know, and so. Uh, um, you know, that's what they see, and all they see is Bob Baffert. They don't go into the detail on it, you know. And then they see uh, coming up, Bob Baffert's fighting, the, you know, the sanctions against him, uh, you know, that type of thing. And it's just drawn out, and it detracts away from the spirit of the game, you know. Uh, it, it really does. And the uh, whole long and short of it is, is we want honesty. We want safety. We want everything that we can do for the horses, you know, to um, make them uh, the public – think, hey, you know, this is a great deal that we're doing, you know, here for the horses. 
and everything. So um, that's my take on it, strictly my opinion. Um, you know, it's just hearsay. Um, a lot of the things that, uh, you know, we talk about here is, is uh, strictly opinions. You know, it's not uh, trying to damage anybody. It's not trying to, you know, put anybody down. We're just trying to expose, you know, um, to our audiences, uh, you know, what's going on in the business and try to explain it a little bit. You know, and if you ever have any questions, just call us at 561-466-1272, and we can, you know, talk to you and explain it to you, and maybe even have you on the show uh, to talk about, uh, you know, your experiences and what and what your opinion is, you know, your equine opinion of, of how things are going. So now to a lighter note, and um, we had a real good um, turnout here uh, last uh, week. Um, it's called The Art of Racing. Uh, the Art of Racing uh, contest to honor great mistakes, and um, th- this is uh, really something that's that's uh, really nice. Um, in fact, uh, we had an art show here at Sunshine Metals a couple Saturdays ago, and uh, we had uh, uh, some renowned artists that had their um, their equine paintings and sculptures and uh, everything on sale here and got quite a few people here. We had over a hundred people that came out to, to uh, visit and see what they were doing. And it was really a good show. In fact, it was so good that uh, artists asked us if we could have another um, art show out here in March. We'll, we'll keep you updated on it. But um, the thing that we're, we're looking at here now is called the Art of Racing uh, Contest to Honor Freak Mistakes. And uh, this is an art contest. It's going to be honoring uh, the Preakness in Baltimore, Maryland, by the Baltimore, uh, uh, Maryland Jockey Club. It says, um, uh, uh, Maryland Jockey Club had partnered with the Maryland Institute College of Art, MICA, to launch the Art of Racing, a unique art competition to honor the second jewel of the Triple Crown Series and its impact on Baltimore, uh, established more than four decades ago. The relationship between the Maryland Jockey Club and MICA takes a step forward uh, with this community-wide call for entries of original and two, uh, two-dimensional and visual arts that depicts the unique elements of thoroughbred horse racing and the legendary Preakness States. Um, from today's launch until the submission of the deadline on March 1st, 2022, artists uh, may submit their entries to um, www.preakness.com uh, um, The Art of Racing After uh, his backslash it's www.preakness.com backslash uh, the art hyphen the uh, hyphen um, of racing hyphen uh, So uh, just go to our website and you'll see where it's at on there It says um, which of the submissions will be available for public viewing uh, March 2nd through March 20th, visitors um, to the Art of Racing website um, can cast their votes for their favorite uh, work uh, of art. The, the top uh, 10 vote getters will then be entered into the finalist category with the winning piece selected by an esteemed um, panel of judges representing the artistic business for philanthropic. Politics. Sorry about that. Getting wound up here. And uh, the political communities that allow Park Heights to thrive uh, as the home of the Preakness. 
um, this is like we were talking about before. This is a way to uh, get the knowledge of our of our industry out and to show you that uh, you don't have to be a groom or a trainer or a hot walker to um, you know do do what you're uh, what they're doing. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, it's something that's very unique and different, and uh, it's something that an artist who may not know much about horse racing but knows a lot about um, painting horses and you know sculpting horses and all uh, can add their interject their abilities and talents into the, what we have, and it makes it entertaining for a lot of people to go out and see an equine art show, you know, and, and knowing that they don't have to know about racing or or participate in, uh, you know, uh, uh, racing, that type of thing. Um, the winning artists of the inaugural competition will receive a $4,000 stipend and two tickets to the Preakness uh, 147 on May 21st, 2022. In addition, their work will be reproduced on Preakness 147 um, merchandise with the Park Heights uh, Renaissance as the beneficiary of all sales proceeds, uh, so which will be used to support activities of the nonprofit organization and it's, as it pursues affordable housing for families and provides employment opportunities for members of the Park Heights community. So see, this is another way that the horse industry is trying to help their community uh, get out and get going, you know. And, and not only does uh, attracting all the business and all the people that come to see the the Preakness, um, you know, in uh, March 21st, uh, but they they uh, make a financial uh, difference for the community, uh, you know, and, and that's really exciting for Park Heights because they, that affords them to do a lot of different things. Um, the Art of Racing is a part of an ongoing partnership between um, First and uh, the Park and uh, Park Heights Renaissance that include honoring the late community advocate Georgie Mitchell to the Georgie Mitchell Black-Eyed Susan Stakes and the Georgie Mitchell Heights Community Fellowship Grant. The Art of Racing builds upon the legacy of the, of the initiatives by recognizing and honoring individuals who, much like Mike, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Mitchell himself, demonstrated an extraordinary commitment to the Park Heights community. So, uh, it's not like it's, uh, they're, uh, um, recognizing people from all over the world. What they're doing is they're keeping it at home to Park Heights and they're honoring the people that made Park Heights great and the people that made it possible to have the Preakness at Pimlico. And, and that's what's really exciting about that. It's all hometown people that are being honored, um, this type of thing. And being an artist, you don't have to be uh, from Park Heights, you don't have to be from Maryland. You can be from anywhere in the world. Just submit your painting or your sculptures and all that um, depict um, the art of racing. And, um, you know, who knows? You might end up being uh, getting two tickets to uh, um, the Preakness on March 21st and $4,000 to spend there at the track. You know, um, the visual elements behind the Preakness stakes, capping uh, the imagination, both the race day and year-round, said David Wilson, chief marketing officer. Um, first, the art of racing uh, commemorates and celebrates the most iconic sporting events in Maryland and nationwide. It also represents the opportunity for a modern visual interpretation of the Preakness Stakes as 
we redefined sport, uh, uh, the sport to connect with a new generation of fans. So again, you know, these are things that are done that we're trying to get new fans into, into our business. Uh, you know, that, that's very important in what we're doing here. It says, um, the Preakness is one of the most esteemed public events for Maryland and his inaugural competition celebrates the importance of the unique way Dr. Leslie Keen Hammond, the founding director of the Center for Race and, and Culture at MIC and a member of the judging panel for the art of racing. Um, there is an illustrious history between MIC and the Preakness States uh, that began in the 1970s when MIC professor Raul Middleman uh, led his classes in painting murals at Pimlico Racecourse. The seven murals Middleman created with, the, with his students, which lived in, in perpetuity behind the course's grandstand, provided an intimate look at the tradition defined by history and character. Raul Middleton enriched the lives of his students by giving them hands-on opportunity to experience commercial art making said Dr. Tiffany Holmes of MIC, uh, interim uh, vice president of the academic affairs and provost. The art of racing built upon the Professor Middleton's legacy by commissioning artists from MIC and across Maryland to provide the interpretations of Maryland's time honored by the tradition of thoroughbred racing. For more information um, on the art of racing, please visit www.preakness.com dot com backslash um, the art hyphen art hyphen of racing or follow follow um, the industry uh, the Preakness stakes and Preakness on social media. So this this again goes back to show you that um, we are trying to do a lot of things that not only you know are good for the industry but that are good for um, what we're doing. Uh, you know, to promote uh, the community activities that uh, we have there that that are related to uh, racing, but not, you know, you don't have to be a participant in, in the industry. You know, you can just be in a casual observer. Um, a lot of times if you go out to the different racetracks or, you know, like we did here at uh, Sunshine Meadows, um, the artists came out and they set up their easels and, and um, they did all their painting and, and talked to people and, you know, did everything they can do, you know, to, uh, you know, expose the, the general public to um, the art of horse racing and horse showing and farms, uh, that type of thing. And it's really exciting to see some of these horses and um, we had a unique opportunity uh, to allow the artists that we had, uh, you know, here with us to go on to uh, uh, close up to the arenas and, and to the event venues. And as the horses walked by, it was amazing how many of them slowed down or even stopped and looked at the horse paintings and, and the statues and everything. And uh, we had one horse that um, literally uh, had no uh, connection with the artists at all. The artists had never seen this horse before. But she had a concept of what horses should look like. And so she painted this. And when this horse walked by, it looked like you were looking at him. The horse was looking in a mirror. He stood there for at least two minutes just staring at the painting, just looking at it. 
So, you know, that, that was an unusual thing. And it got a lot of people involved in, in what we were, you know, doing here with it. And also, uh, um, you know, talking about the horses and, and uh, the things that uh, we're doing here, um, you know, and trying to get the public involved and talking in the earlier part of the show about, uh, you know, the things that were going on as far as, uh, you know, the illegalities of the horse industry and, you know, how they're trying to be corrected. Um, one of the things that I really uh, like and in, in a part of is um, we have a, a, an association out there called New Vocations, Rehab, Retrain, Rehome. Uh, New Vocations has opened up a satellite facility in Ocala, Florida. In uh, Ocala, Florida. Um, the next facility, um, the, uh, uh, the new facility will focus on rehabbing, retraining, and rehoming retired racehorses. It says New Vocation Racehorses, uh, Racehorse uh, Adoption Program has announced that it is open to satellite facility near Ocala, Florida, uh, Florida as it continues to expand uh, its aftercare efforts. Efforts. It says um, the new facility in Ocala uh, focuses on the rehabbing, retraining, and rehoming of retiring thoroughbred racehorses. The nation's oldest and largest racehorse adoption charity now has nine facilities in six states. Uh, the new facility is based in um, uh, at Trillium Sport Horses in Anthony, Florida, just a few miles from Ocala. Aaron McDonald an international three-day eventing rider with years of experience restarting off-track thoroughbreds in new careers will oversee the horse's rehabilitation and training. New Vocations Thoroughbred Program Director Anna Ford said there's been a need for Florida facilities for several years. On an average, about 60 horses each year are shipped in more than 700 miles from Florida to Lexington to our Lexington facility. Um, Ford said, the horses coming from Florida racetracks and training centers will now have a much shorter uh, travel distance and duration as they start uh, their new chapters in life. McDonald said it's also so gratifying to help thoroughbreds smoothly uh, transition into a second career after the racing. I'm honored to be working with uh, such outstanding aftercare organizations and to join in their efforts to provide Florida-based horses with uh, and their connections with the quality rehabilitation and retraining program. Ford said an Ocala area facility has been uh, been a part of the new uh, location strategic plan for the past couple of years, but it has been delayed due to the pandemic. Um, as the need for aftercare services continue to grow, we will. Um, do our best to expand and accommodate more horses, she said. The first horses arrived in the Florida facility late in 2021. This three have been adopted into experienced, loving homes. Several more horses are making progress in various stages of rehab and training and will be available for adoption soon. For more information on donating a horse to the Florida facility or supporting its efforts, visit newlocations.org slash backslash donate uh, a horse. Uh, their phone number is 859-252-9574 or email Anna at, horse adopt, at horse 
adoption.com. Uh, they're a great organization. They, like I said, they've got six facilities across the country. And, um, you know, it's given the horses something uh, to uh, go to a second career, second life, you know, to, to go to uh, when they get through racing. And that's very important, you know, to have a goal, uh, you know, to do all these things that um, that they're doing with the adoption agencies and, and everything. And it, it was kind of nice. Um, it was in Maryland. It's a Maryland uh, horse show, and uh, the the day that I was there, uh, previous employer that I had uh, was there, and um, the the trainer, the owner, uh, the jockey, the groom, the hot walker, were all there to watch this horse show, and it was kind of unique, you know, to see, um, you know, the horse had a, a brilliant career, made over a million dollars on the racetrack, and then. Uh, uh, during the Preakness week, uh, the owners and the trainers and the grooms and the hot walkers and jockeys and exercise riders all came out to visit with the horse. And I said, you know, it's kind of nice to see that, um, you know, had a successful career on the track and went on to do be successful in the uh, in the show horse industry. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of these horses just make a. Um, you know, make good trail horses, you know, or just good riding around the farm horses and others go on to show and, and go to great, uh, you know, go to great uh, victories in the show horse industry. And uh, that, that's the great thing about that, you know, for the thoroughbreds and the standard breads have, have married the same thing with the standard bread, um, you know, aftercare programs. And we'll go into that at another time, but uh, they're doing the same thing. So, you know, uh, they're rehoming and, and getting these horses ready for a second career. And it's one of the most fantastic things that you'll ever see. Uh, you know, uh, the, the love that, uh, the horse that gives you and the love that's given back to the horse in these new programs and projects, you know, are certainly well worth it. So, uh, uh give us a call and uh, let us know if you're interested in getting a horse at force, uh, at, uh, 561-466-1272. Uh, now we're going to get into some um, interesting things here. Um, a few months ago, well, actually about eight months ago, right before I got sick, um, I invested into uh, MyRaceHorse.com. And it's one of the greatest things that you can ever do. Um, it's, you can, uh, it's not expensive, or it can be expensive, depending on how many shares of stock you buy into a horse. And everything, and it's exciting. Uh, they send you updates on uh, um, how your horse is doing, uh, when he's going to race, uh, when he races. Um, they invite you to the track to see your horse uh, run and get in the winner's circle, you know, if he wins. And uh, that's myracehorse.com. You can give them a, an email and they'll tell you all about it. And it's very, very exciting because they have horses that are winning, you know, grade one races and horses that are just, you know, uh, 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 regular horses winning, you know, smaller races. But but for me, um, actually, uh, it was interesting. Um, I bought some shares into a horse called Ironworks. Uh, Ironworks is a nicely bred horse. Um, he's a distorted humor uh, 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 stud. Um, uh, the mare is Silver Pocket Foil by Indian Charlie. And Todd Pletcher's training, training him. He's a three-year-old. And back in the summertime, he had an ankle chip taken out of his ankle, and, and they, Todd brought him along real slow. And uh, Todd's really good at bringing uh, maidens and horses, getting them ready to run the first time out. Now, uh, 
uh, ironworks uh, had Louis Saez on it. Um, he he was uh, carrying 120 pounds, and they were going six furlongs. And like I said, this was his first start. Uh, it was a sixty thousand um, uh, dollar maiden claiming or uh, maiden uh, special weight for three year olds um, carrying 120 pounds, going six furlongs. And um, it had a nice field. There was a nine horse field. And um, what excited me about it is uh, first time starters. You know, you don't know how they're going to run or where they're going to go. And so uh, when when I'm sitting there and I'm look, starting to look at all these different things and saying, "Oh man, what's going to happen in this deal?" You know. So long story short, a couple Saturdays ago, um, uh, he he was January eighth to be exact. Ironworks uh, went to Gulfstream to race and he raced in race number four on January eighth, maiden special weight, and uh, in nine horse field, and it, it was really good. And, and I was so excited about it because, you know, you, you know, it's a horse race. You can, you can win. You can finish last, uh, finish somewhere in the middle. You can end up scratching your head or you can be jumping up and down and saying, you know, my goodness, you know, what a race, you know, and then immediately, even though this was just his first start and everything, um, and he's a three year old, you automatically start thinking Kentucky Derby, you know, no matter what kind of race it is, you know, he won and, you know, maybe it'll get better, maybe it won't. So anyhow, long story short, we had uh, had a like I said, nine horse field, and Ironworks with Louis Saez in the iron came out of post position nine. He uh, broke on on to the top of the pack, second, second. He was second by a length and a half at the half mile pole, and um, at the finish he went he won the race by four lengths. And it says. Um, Ironworks prompted the pace three wide, took over turning for home, and drew off under a drive. And so, you know, that tells me uh, that uh, with him, uh, was, which was exciting, because now, you know, he had he had nine horse field, not real big, not too small. He got dirt in his face, and then when he when he came to the head of the stretch, was asked to run without any urging, he ran, and he went by four lengths. So we don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, Todd's planned out a future for him, and uh, we're going to see where he goes with it. And it's kind of exciting because, um, you know, uh, you just never can tell. You know, whether he, that might have been his race of the year. That might have been his only race that he ever run good in. But yet it could be the first of many and everything. So um, Putcher adds two winners at Gulfstream Park. Uh, my racehorse and Spendthrift uh, Farms Ironworks made a successful debut January 8th when he outrun a field of eight other three-year-olds to take a six-foot-long main special weight at Gulfstream Park. Trained by Todd Pletcher, the distorted humor coat was, was a $550,000 purchase at the Ocala Breeder Sales, Spring Sales, uh, as a two-year-old, where he was consigned by Mayberry Farm. Racing under Louis Saez, Ironworks set just off the leader as the fractions went 22 and two, 45 and one through the half mile. Ironworks took a, took over around the far turn, pulled clear into the stretch to win by four lengths in the final time of one one oh nine on a fast track. It said, um, it, it's just unbelievable, uh, you know, how it is, uh, you know, when, when you see these things. Um, bred by CR Farms, Ironworks is out of an Indian Charlie mare, Silver Pockets Full, who was third. Uh, who was third in the 2015 Central Bank Ashland Stakes of Grade One? So, um, 
so uh, she he's out of a graded stakes place mare, uh, and so that that's exciting. So you know the qualities there. Of course, the starting humor you don't have to say anything about. He's he's a great stallion, you know. Uh, he's really good. Um, the following day at Hollandale Beach, um, another pri- uh, pricing maiden from the Platteur Barn delivered a convincing victory in a maiden special weight company, uh, Stone Street Stables Favor, one uh, one mile dirt test by three and three quarters lengths under jockey Paco Lopez in her second start. The pioneer uh, of the Nile um, Philly had started once prior, finished in fourth in the November 26th debut at uh, Aqueduct Racetrack in New York. In, sun- in Sunday races, uh, she raced third in the early first quarter mile, went to 23 and 7, and the half mile went 46 and 1. Advancing around the bend, she took over the leaders into the lane and pulled away smartly, stopping the clock at 136 and, uh, and 6 uh, on a fast track. Bred by Diamond Creek Farm, um, Favor is out of an unbridled song mare and um, Fortune, daughter of multiple graded stakes winner, stopped traffic. Um, Favor was purchased for $500,000 from the Gainesway consignment at the Fasic Tipton uh, select yearling sale. And so, you know, the, these horses are going for some pretty good money here. So, uh, so you know, that that's what we're we're looking for. And I tell you what, if you go to myhorserace.com, uh, uh, myracehorse.com, and see what they've got, it just blows your mind uh, what they do and how they do it there. It's fun and exciting. It's very inexpensive. It makes you a part of the business. You don't have to know a lot about the business. Uh, you just go in there, and, and I've seen some shares go for $75, you know, and you're still a part, you know, owner of the horse. Uh, you know, a small part, like the part that I own, is the last part that comes across the finish line, and that's about uh, two inches of the tail, <laughs> you know, that, that I own. So, But at least I'm there, you know, and I'm participating as an owner and really enjoying it, and, uh, you know, my friends love going to to the races and, you know, uh, you know, it gives you something to look forward to, and you know, who who knows? You you can be uh, as lucky as I am and get that horse that wins the first time out, and you you know, you got good, um, you know, good feeling about it, and you don't know where the journey is going to take you. And like I said before, the journey starts here at the International Equine, and for me, a part of my journey was going to myracehorse.com buying a share or two, uh, you know, in, in a horse. And uh, look where the journey started. It started, uh, you know, with buying the horse, uh, buying the share in the horse. And then uh, the journey's first uh, stop on on my journey was the Gulfstream Park, a maiden special weight, going six furlongs, and he wins. And he's a three-year-old. And he's got a lot of good racing ahead of him and could be a lot of stake races or it could be just a lot of, um, you know, just regular races. So, uh, you know, we, we don't know what, where he's going to go, but we'll know here in the next few days or so. Um, then, um, as we talked about before, we're talking about getting information out about the horse industry. And there's a lot of ways that we get uh, the information out about the horse industry uh, through the media. Um, it could be in print ads. It could be in uh, local advertisements. Uh, it can be into television programs, uh, radio programs, uh, uh, you know, HRRN 
uh, does a real good uh, radio broadcast of uh, uh, races live, uh, you know, so you can you can get them through there. Uh, you know, we do a lot of things here that you can get from us and all. But the whole long and uh, short of it is to get the information out through various means of um, distribution, uh, whether it's social network, uh, whether it's uh, TV, radio, print, uh, you know, uh, invites to farms. Uh, now, uh, in the last couple of years, I've had uh, meet and greets here at uh, Sunshine Meadows. And uh, what we do is we invite it, it's open to the public, and you can come down and you can meet and greet um, trainers, owners, breeders, uh, jockeys, uh, drivers, uh, show horse people from all around the world. And it's all free. It's called Meet and Greet at Sunshine Meadows. And uh, we'll be starting that back up uh, again this spring uh, when, when uh, the road to the Kentucky Derby continues on how they get there. But uh, we'll do that. And so and it's really nice, uh, you know, to do that. And so to show you how important things are, uh, Fox Sports um, had dropped the Fox Sports Network, and that cut out a lot of horse racing. So Belmont Stakes deals strengthened bond between Naira and Fox. It's in the seed of a relationship between the New York Racing Association and Fox Sports that uh, was planted six years ago has certainly grown into a mighty oak. Uh, the January 5th announcement that Fox Sports had secured the media rights for the Belmont Stakes for eight years beginning in 2023 was just the latest chapter in what has been um, a prosperous association for both sides. Um, this is the culmination of a five-year-plus uh, relationship with Naira that started in a very modest way and has grown very uh, every year uh, since then, and now comes to the peak with uh, us just having the right uh, to air the jewel of one of the Americans' classics. Said my, uh, Mitchell Mulville, executive vice president and head of strategy analytics for Fox Sports. It says it's amazing how far this relationship has come and is as friendly and innovative and productive as any contract relationship we've ever had. It's a great to see it come out in uh, to this apex. Uh, the deal also gives Fox the rights of multimedia day, Belmont Stakes Racing Festival at Belmont. And it includes Naira Betts having the title sponsorship of what become um, the Naira Betts Belmont Stakes. And also they sponsor the Belmont Stakes from Naira, and it's going to be carried by Fox Live. It says, with the Belmont Stakes switching from its current network home of NBC to Fox after uh, this year's 154th edition, the move adds uh, what already amounts to be the largest presence of horse racing on one uh, of the four major television networks. What started in 2016 with Fox Sports 2 airing 80 hours of Naira's Saratoga Live Meet um, television show now stands at more than 700 hours through a deal with various Fox networks and runs through 2030. With a rather high profile hour or so coming on board in 2023 uh, to join Fox flagships property properties. Uh, the Belmont Stakes is one of them is one of the uh, one of those events that uh, every casual American sports fan is familiar with. Moses said. 
the one and one half mile final leg of the Triple Crown, they know what the Belmont Stake stands for. They know that it is where immortals uh, in the sport are crowned. And the familiarity among the most casual fans obviously goes a long way when you have a Triple Crown on the line. Um, we're going to treat it like it was, like like what it is, an iconic event, American Classic. It's one of the number of championships that we have in our portfolio and fundamentally what our business is all about. In presenting the premium live events, we definitely believe the Belmont is a premium as it, as it, as it gets. Uh, while uh, acquiring the Belmont Stakes uh, had been on Movia's mind for quite a while, negotiations heated up recently in 2021, a year that also saw Fox Sports and Naira Inc., a landmark deal uh, in March to present the circuit races, including the Run Happy Traces Sioux 2030. So, again, like we've been going uh, talking about here, um, now, now all the um, networks are starting to realize that it's about distribution. And what I like about it, and it's kind of like we started doing here at IEN TV, we laid the foundation and format to broadcast horse events of all breeds, all countries, and all disciplines on IEN. And we started out small, small and slow, and we literally cover every every event that you can possibly have in, in the business, whether it's a, a small horse show or whether it's the Belmont Stakes. So now we're in a position to where we can come in and we can be a part of programs like Fox, uh, you know, and Naira. And uh, sure, we're small, uh, small distribution, but it's all about accessibility and uh, to, to that product. And the things that uh, we have accessibility to uh, with BBS radios like iHeart or iTunes, uh, you know, there's a multitude of platforms that we can get out on, and now we got to start marketing IEN, you know, to those platforms and to those people. And what I like about it is, is that, you know, um, you don't have to have a computer in front of you, you don't have to have a TV set in front of you. You can have your iPhone, and you can go there, uh, you know, to our programming and, and get links to all the major you know, events that uh, that are going on throughout the world and everything. And uh, see, what I like about here is we're international. Fox is going to be, you know, pretty much um, uh, here to the States and everything, but we're international. And what we do is we pick up uh, clients like Fox and, and uh, Sky Sports out of Europe, and um, we make available a link on our website to link to their website to see Racing Live. And so we're, we're an important tool as a link. Uh, we're like an Uber driver, uh, but we're an Uber TV person or an Uber, Uber, uh, um, you know, uh, social media person. Uh, you know, you come to us and we get right, right to where you need to go, um, you know, with one click and everything. So it looks like it's about time for us to go, uh, this week. Um, had some good news other than winning their, uh, you know, a race with a horse at Gulfstream on Saturday. Uh, yesterday, got out of the doctor's office and found out that uh, I'm 100% cancer-free now. And now I'm uh, in good enough shape to where the next two or three months, I'll be able to get in pretty good trouble uh, down the road here because uh, I have no restrictions on my life now. And uh, thank God and 
the people at BBS and all the people that prayed for me. And uh, it really it really helped me get through some trying times over eight months. So we'll see you next week on the International Equine Report.